Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, thank you. Whew. Get some of this stuff out of the way real quick. Good morning. I'm uh, excited to be here with you again this morning to, to share, and um, just want to take another opportunity, as we've already done this morning, just to welcome everyone here to, to Gateway this morning, and as we always do, whether you're a longtime member, a regular attender, or you're brand new, or you've been coming for a few weeks, and as I kind of watch this morning, I see a lot of new faces this morning, so uh, I just felt like it was appropriate, and I was reminded of this funny story from a couple years ago that my name is Jeremy, first of all, and I am not the pastor. Uh, get that cleared up. But uh, I am also not the owner of the church. A couple of years ago, Sherry and I were asked to stop and pose for a quick picture. You know, hey, no big deal. It's just going to go on something. It's, it's no problem at all. Okay. I've, and obviously, I have a face for radio, so I should be on the cover of something. And uh, so just a few weeks later, some sort of publication was put together about the church. And uh, there was a student group here for that summer for a week to work alongside our students. And they went out and passed out like thousands of these things to different doors and stuff. And one day uh, that week, one of the students from the other church, not ours, stopped me and she said, you're him. You're the owner. And I was like, the owner of what? She said, the owner of the church. You're on the picture. And I was like, it just dawned on me. So I just clear up. I'm not the owner. I'm not the pastor. And, uh, but uh, I'm excited to be able to be here this morning to share with you some things that God has, has been laying on my heart and and gave me another opportunity to stand before you. But before I do that real quick, I just want to give a quick plug, because uh, Shane was being baptized this morning. He and I were talking, but, and it just kind of reminded me of this as I prepared this week. But um, this summer, on June 17th and 18th, there's a men's conference in Birmingham called Grid Iron Men's Conference. And I had the opportunity to attend this last year. Uh, thankful for my beautiful wife to encourage me to go to this uh, for two days and just be poured into. And so I just kind of started sharing this with a few men here at Gateway and had a sense to uh, to reach out and invite uh, all of you men um, to attend with me this summer, June 17th and 18th. It's in Birmingham, um, but just kind of give you a little overview. Some speakers will be people like Andy Andrews, Jim Kelly, Phil Waltrip, Tony Evans, Steve Farrar, and uh, Rick Burgess. And so if you're interested in this, the cost up until 323, March 23rd, uh, is $89. It goes up by 10 bucks after that. But if you're interested in going and would like to know more about the cost and how some of the things that I've been able to work out for our team going Please let me know. Um, if it's after 323, that's fine. It, it, you can still attend with us. But Shane was definitely one of the guys that expressed interest to, uh, to go along with us. So I invite all the men uh, to attend with us. So, uh, like I said, this morning I'm excited to, to come and share. Um, when I found out that this morning would entail a baptism, um, I got even more excited because for many reasons, a baptism, believer's baptism, is, is a very significant time in the believer's life. It's one of those times that whether you're a child or a teenager or a young adult or an older adult, um, there's something special about this day. I'm sure Shane just experienced this. And I had a chance to talk to him beforehand and said, you know, I don't know if you know this, but there's going to be a time of sharing. And I said, just really stop and, and listen and, un, and grasp and catch and, and, and embrace all those words of encouragement that I'm going to be sharing with you. And so um, it's a special day for the believer to do this for that reason. But um, it's also one of those times where you, I believe, and I remember from my baptism, you just feel very strongly connected to the Father during that time. Uh, you're, you're experiencing something that Christ himself experienced. Uh, it, it shows us in the books of Matthew, Mark, and Luke that Christ was baptized by John the Baptist. And so that, that, for that reason alone, it's, it's a very special time. And so it's these kinds of times and these kinds of situations and circumstances that where we feel connected to God that I have really been thinking about here lately. 
uh, for the last several weeks and months, I've been thinking about and remembering those times in, you know, both my life, but also in our family's life. And Sherry and I often will talk about those times in our life, in our family, where we really sensed a, a strong connection to God, or we really felt a strong calling by God, or we were very sensitive to the Holy Spirit during a maybe a particular time, a, a situation or circumstance, a time in our life. And then we also talk a lot of times about uh, where we are seeking that more, where we're sitting there going, okay, remember that, and, and, and I would like to see that again, or what's coming next for us. So a lot of times we are questioning and we are seeking and we are looking and talking about what is he preparing for us? What impact will this have on our family? How are we going to be used for the purpose of ministering to others? And so on and so on and so on. And I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, especially as believers, have had very specific times in your walk with Christ, in your relationship with Christ, where you have sensed or or you've been more sensitive to uh, his presence, his voice, his call, his provision, and ultimately his purpose. And likewise, I'm sure that, that some of you, if not all of you as believers, have had specific times in your walk with Christ and your relationship with Christ, or maybe you are praying for and earnestly seeking, prayerfully considering his presence, his voice, his call, his provision, and his purpose in your life. Maybe in a new way, maybe in a fresh way. Maybe in an extended way of what you're already experiencing. And so this morning, I just want to share with you a few things. Uh, I want to share, first of all, something from God's Word. Duh, it's more important than anything else. I want to share something with you from God's Word about an experience that a man had, an extraordinary experience, much like this, where he felt extremely close to, to God's presence, to his voice, to his call, to his provision, and to his purpose. I want to look with you and see what this experience was like for this man, and then also how it kind of relates to maybe how our experiences have unfolded or what we experience. And then second this morning, I just want to share with you uh, about a time in, in our life, and Sherry and I's life and our family's life, where we strongly felt that same experience, where we were very sensitive to uh, his presence and his voice and his call, his provision and his purpose in our life. And understand this, please hear me, when I share kind of that story, it's a glory story as the Falcone family has embedded in the root of our church and in our life, but it's a glory story for his glory, not ours. And it is not in any way meant to be shared to you so that you can walk away from it going, man, if I just do what he said, then this is going to happen for me. And that's not what it's about, because I can tell you right now that, that our story is only for his glory. Our story is, is just a work that he did in our life, and it's not any greater or any more important than any story that maybe you have or you've experienced. And I know there's a lot of them in this room. I'm just looking around at some of these faces, and I know there's a lot of stories like this in this room. And, or, or maybe you're sitting there on your seat and you're, and you're looking for a story to happen in your life. So this morning I hope that um, out of all this, my prayer is that our time together this morning would be an encouragement to you. And I'm going to read this, that you will sense his presence and not mine, that you will hear his voice and not mine, that you will know and sense his calling in your life, not my calling. You will see his provision and ultimately serve his purpose. So this morning, let's get started in God's word in Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 1. The, the 
screen's going to have the verses on there too, but turn with me to Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 1. I'm going to be reading from the New American Standard, so yours might be a little different, but that's what's going to be on the screen. Now Moses, in verse 1, was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush, and he looked and behold The bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and go see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters. For I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land. To a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Now, behold... The cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now, and I will send to you Pharaoh, send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, certainly I will be with you. And this shall be the the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. Then Moses said to God, behold, I am going to the sons of Israel. And I will say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now I know that in God's word there are many, many stories throughout scripture that could be told this morning in regards to the kind of encounter that I want to share with you. And, and, um, and maybe some of those experiences or some of those stories in scripture would be more well suited for the outcome or the ending or what have you. But I just felt very compelled uh, to take a look at this passage, to revisit Moses' uh, his encounter with God uh, and as he stood there at the burning bush. And I'll, I'll say this too, that uh, over the last couple of weeks, as I've, this has been on my heart, 
uh, you need to have those affirmation times. And one morning I had the chance to, to listen. I was listening to the radio, and, and two great Southern theologians by the name of Rick and Bubba uh, were, I mean, um, they, they were sharing and they were talking, and, and they referenced this exact story in a very similar situation. And so I just kind of like, hey, that's, that's, that's what it's about. So I was excited about that. So for me, though, this time of study through Exodus, through this part, has led me to kind of even, even read the entire book of Exodus. And, and although I'm not going to go through the entire book by any means, and I'm going to kind of stop there, but um, I just want to take you through a look and at uh, what Moses' experience was. And I want to encourage you, though, as, as you have maybe time this week, to read through that story and revisit that story that we've probably all heard since we were little ones, uh, young ones maybe, little ones. And, and we've heard this story, and we've heard it, and, and even Seth referenced it last week. But I encourage you to go back and kind of read that this week. So let's take a look this morning at uh, the encounter that Moses had and how God revealed, again, his presence, his voice, his call, his provision, and his purpose through the passage we read. So let's begin with his presence and his voice. In verse 2, it goes back, and remember, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, this is going to go through uh, verse 6, And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight. Why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place you are on, which you are standing, is holy ground. He said, also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now, let's all be honest for just a minute. That How many of us are thinking right now, man, if I could just have that type of experience where God would just speak to me outright, plain as day, like he did with Moses, that I could be, and I could be close to his presence like that, then I would know for sure that I was doing something in God's will, or that I would experience a call, that I would experience his presence. How many of us would like to have a situation just like that? Let's be honest. Two, you may be thinking, uh, <laughs> I need to go talk to some landscaping expert. Steve Gillis is here, so let's go talk to him. And see if we can't get our hands on one of these bushes. Where you want to plant it in your yard is up to you, depending on how your neighbors may interpret your actions out there. But let's be real for a minute. And this was the, the, the message that, that I really sensed in this, is that the reality is that any old bush will do. Nothing particular to this kind of bush or this type of bush. Any old bush will do. And so what do I mean by that? First, God speaks through whomever and whatever he chooses. And that is very good for us. And second, his presence, his Holy Spirit, as it tells us in Romans 5, God's love, his presence, has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And yet that is also very good for us. I'm sure that that many of you here this morning could testify to hearing God's voice as clear as day through either several things. Maybe not a bush. Maybe it was his word. God's written word, his holy word. Maybe it was another brother or sister in Christ that just shared a word with you or was speaking just from what God had been doing in the life, and maybe that is when you saw and you heard his voice. 
Maybe it was a song of worship. We've experienced this here many times on Sunday morning where a particular song or something that's sung or done uh, with music just really speaks to us. Maybe it was a time where you were in an all-quiet environment and it was his still, small voice that you experienced and you encountered him. Many other circumstances could, could happen where we do that. So let us all recognize this morning, though, that the encounter with God is not about the bush. It's not about the person, the brother or sister. It's not about the place, the environment, or the thing. But rather, that encounter with God is all about His presence and His voice being near to us and speaking to us so that, therefore, we will experience his call, his provision, and his purpose. Now I just want to look at his call to Moses. I'm going to start in verse 7, and I know I'm rereading some of this, but repetition. His call to Moses. Verse 7, going through 10. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have, gained, have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters. For I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. How awesome is it that God lays out his call pretty clearly to Moses and calls Moses to a plan of action, a mission, if you will, so this morning, my question to you or my encouragement to you and my reflection to myself, what is his call for us in our lives today? What is our mission? What is your call? What is your mission? What is he calling you to do right now? There's no doubt in my mind that there are very specific tasks that God, that God calls us to do much like he's done here with Moses. And yes, there will be more details in that specific task given to us along the way as, as you read through with Moses here. And there will be specific points of actions to take along that way. But there is also no doubt in my mind that whether God's call in my life or in your life is as specific to the terms of you know, a person, a place, a thing, etc., his call never changes, though. Hear me this. His call never changes from the great commandment to love God, to love people, and the great commission to go to all nations, to the ends of the earth, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So rest assured this morning that God has clearly given us a call, His call, to each and every one of us as believers. Many times it may be specific in your life. Many times you may not know it right up front, but you start to sense God's call, and I'm going to share that kind of with you in our circumstance, and then you start to see the unfolding of it. 
But don't be hardened. Don't be hurt. Don't be troubled. That if there's not a specific or something task that's been given you right now, keep doing that each and every day. I want to move on to his provision for Moses. Starting in verse 11, and I'm going to go down through uh, just 11 and 12. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with you. And this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall worship God at this very mountain. You know, many times in Scripture we see stories and and callings on, on men and women's lives. And a lot of times, you know, their response is immediately, yes, Lord. And then his provision is carried out through the faithful service of that one he has called. But here we see Moses respond in maybe a way that we, we look as, as maybe it's a humility thing, maybe it's a fear thing, a doubt, or, or likely even a sense of feeling inadequate. It's not exactly a, an immediate yes, Lord response. But nonetheless, despite Moses' response, God provides Moses with an answer, an assurance, a proclamation, but ultimately a provision. We know that later in the passage that God provides Moses with several acts of power to demonstrate his calling, to demonstrate that God is providing this mission to Moses to go do. The staff turned to snake, putting his hand in his cloak, coming out with, with leprosy, water to blood. And so God gives those things to him as an opportunity to show the opposition that he is who has sent Moses. So be encouraged this morning that whatever your response to God is, if it's an immediate, yes, Lord, do it humbly. Or if it is a who am I type of response, know this, that his provision will be there for those who walk humbly in faithful service to his call. Walk humbly. It goes on in New Testament. We see, uh, we see two disciples just fighting over the right and left side of Jesus. Who's going to be there? And at the very end of that, Jesus himself has come. And he says, I've come not to be served, but to serve. Serving is a kingdom thing. Being served, wanting to be served, is a man's kingdom thing, not a God kingdom thing. So just be encouraged to walk humbly in faithful service to God's call because He will make provision. Last, let's look at His purpose. Verses 13 and 14. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? So God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. There is absolutely no doubt that his purpose in this circumstance 
in our circumstance, in all circumstances and situations, is so that all people everywhere, by way of his presence and his voice and his call and his provision, is to make known to his creation that he is I am. And that's not something that the world is going to respond to in a full agreement, but it is who God is. It's who God equipped his son Jesus to be. It is the same God, the Holy Spirit, that you and I have been equipped with to go out and to share from, to share with, and to encourage others in. The word I am is the purpose for what you and I serve God. It is the purpose. It's why you and I have been called according to his righteousness and according to his purpose to be made holy, to be sent out, and to serve I am. Now, I want to share with you just briefly kind of a story. And this, again, this is not a, a, a road map for you. This is just a glory story from what God's done in our life. And I just felt compelled to share this. In fact, as I prepared for Last time when I was speaking, I went to one of uh, my Bibles on my bookshelf and wanted to look at a specific translation. And when I opened that Bible, uh, a stack of papers fell out that were folded. And it was a journal that I had started regarding this exact situation. And I felt compelled to even start to share it then, but I, I just didn't sense at the time coming up here. And probably just because I forgot, but it wasn't in my notes there. I get that. That's what I get. But this morning, I just want to share with you... I, Back in March of 2009, uh, Sherry and I had one son, Noah, here with us. And uh, we were serving full-time ministry uh, as a children's pastor, family pastor, uh, at a church full-time. And, and God really had laid upon our heart that uh, there was some other ministry opportunity for us. And it wasn't that I started sending my resume out to other churches to seek a position of any sort or was looking to gain a step up or anything like that. I just didn't really know. To be honest with you, we stepped out, left that position with absolute no job, no nothing. And, and it was a, a very trial, troublesome time because many people responded with, you fool, what are you doing with no job leaving? Uh, but many others were very encouraging to see a, a step of faith, not because we're ultimately just super faithful people, just because of that sense of God's presence and his voice in our life. And so we stepped out and we began praying and seeking opportunities. And, you know, of course, I had to find some sort of job and, and I did. God provided that very quickly. And but we just kept praying, kept seeking counsel with other brothers and sisters, some of, of, of the people that sit in this room each and every Sunday. And we started seeking counsel as to what maybe God was opening, what door was he opening for us. And I'll tell you, we prayed and we saw it and we searched and we tried and we looked for over a year. It was in June of 2010 that all of a sudden, well, I can't remember if it was a Facebook message or a phone call, a buddy of mine called me and said, hey, man, i got an opportunity that I would like for you and Sherry to pray about. It's just a weekend thing, uh, no big deal, but we could really use your help. And what was happening was a, a children's choir from Kenya was coming to Montgomery, and they were actually coming to the States to travel. And so this children's choir of like 23 kids and several adults was coming, and we were asked, would we consider being a host home for the weekend to host, you know, two or three of the, of the kids from the choir? We said, sure. We said, hey, we got one boy, and by this time we had two boys. And so we have two boys, and, you know, we would love for it to have boys in our home. So they said, sure. So we go that weekend, weekend not really knowing what to expect. And uh, so we go. We try to prepare the best we can. We're all excited. We're nervous. And Noah's, you know, he's, he's right there with us and excited. And uh, Micah also, but he's so little. But we go, and we receive three boys from Kenya, all of probably the ages of like 8, 9, and 10 years old. And we also were able to, ha uh, to host 
one of their adult leaders, one of their adult male leaders that was with them. And just really through that experience, I'll be honest with you, it was really cool. We were, you know, taxing back and forth, making food, and just kind of experiencing their culture. And they were showing us pictures of, of their life back home, and, and they came from all different walks of life. And, but it was really encouraging to see their excitement for the Lord, their, their satisfaction and their complete joy, um, despite looking at that pictures that were just mind-blowing. And so we went on through that weekend, had a great time. And through that weekend, we made a connection with the, the U.S. representative or the American that was a part of the organization that had done this task to bring this Daraja Children's Choir to America. And so we talked to her briefly and said, hey, you know, tell us what, I mean, you obviously aren't from Kenya. You're, you're from America. How did you, what do you do? How do you do this? And she lived there at the time, and it was her job, too, equip this team to come to the States and to follow along with them. So I thought right then and there, dude, let's, let's go, you know. And so Sherry and I talked, and, and really I think what we saw more than anything at that point is just God's spirit in our son and our, and our children and their love. I was looking back through pictures just this week, and, and every picture was these three Kenyan boys and Noah, you know, and three Kenyan boys and Micah, and they were just all over each other in, in joyful time. And we saw that spirit. We saw God's presence. We, we heard his voice during that time. And so we got us really excited. So, yes, I, I, we contacted the organization about the opportunity. Is there an opportunity for us to move to Kenya, to go over there, to be a part of this organization and do these things? And, and I think for a month we tried to make some contacts and some things, and, and it had, obviously it just didn't work out. And that's okay. So we just continued to pray. This was June of 2010. We continue to pray and seek God. God, what would you have us to do? We see now there is a call, there is a, a clear voice that we need to be involved with looking after children. We need to be involved with taking care of, of kids maybe that have less or don't have or, or are in need. And so we begin praying about that situation. And so fortunately we had already developed a relationship with two dear friends of ours that aren't here this morning, but Lenny and Debbie Dixon. Shepherd Staff Ministry here in Montgomery, we've known them for a while, and we knew their heartbeat. They have, they have raised over 100 kids themselves between, you know, two of them together through uh, foster care, through adoption, and um, it's just a, an incredible testimony and story. And so we kind of knew their heart and their story and maybe what they could provide and some counsel to us. And, and so we started uh, later there after June of 2010, kind of pursuing the opportunity of what it would look like maybe to do something with uh, foster kids, adoptive kids, or whatnot. And it's funny, before we ever even started foster classes to become certified, uh, all of a sudden one day there was a knock on our door. And I went to the door, and it was a, a, a family member's family member. Okay, no blood relation between the two of us. 41-year-old man. He became our first foster child. <laughs> 41, knocking on our door. He said, I got nowhere to go. I need some help. I need someone to help me. I need to, to, to get some things together. And it's not what we expected. Uh, it wasn't a child, you know, the same age as ours, um, although sometimes actions were not much different. But regardless, for our first experience as a foster family was with a 41-year-old man that was down on his luck, that was without, but that was seeking for answers and seeking for some help and for some advice. And so for a few months... We allowed him to come live in our home with us. And, and I'll be honest with you, that was very, very challenging. You know, I, Sherry and I have always tried to really make sure that we maintain this level of security and, and, and just 
clarity between the two of us and to have another adult man come live in your house, whether it's distant family or not, you just have some precautions. And so everything about my schedule for the next few months was completely geared around whether or not I could be at home when he was or he was not there or he was somewhere else or where my family was. And I'll be honest with you, just based on circumstances, there were a lot of people around us that disliked what we were doing. And no, no, no harm to them, nothing. I just say it was, it was challenging. We didn't know why we were doing what we were doing. We just we felt like that was the call that God had placed in our life at the time. And that was the provision. He had somebody knock on our door. We need your help. So we kind of go through that time, and uh, the, the gentleman was able to kind of find his way elsewhere. And then November, October, November of 2010, we begin the foster parenting classes, Lenny and Debbie did. And, and Robbie and Catherine Collins here uh, were in those classes with us, and another dear friend couple of ours was in that class with us. And so the six of us, we go through this six-week class of just kind of understanding what it looks like to become foster parents. And we had really sensed God calling us to venture out into this ministry opportunity. And so the six of us go through this class, and at the sixth week, you are to go to DHR and get fingerprinted or somewhere so your fingerprints can be sent to the FBI. Okay? I was like, man, okay, I'm good, I'm good. So my fingerprints get sent to the FBI. FBI didn't even have our fingerprints. And that afternoon, Debbie calls us and says, Jeremy and Sherry, I got some news. She said, we have two boys, brothers, that are going to be pulled from their home, possibly tonight, maybe tomorrow. We want you to pray about taking these two boys. And I was like, FBI don't even know me yet, so maybe we can get, we can get through this. But it was, it was, oh, golly, man. Oh, it was crazy. I thought, we, we're not done yet. We can't, I don't know everything yet. She said, Jeremy, don't worry. It's going to be okay. She said, I know this family personally. I've dealt with them for 10 years. And I said, okay, Debbie, we trust you. And so we said, yes, we will take these two boys. Didn't know very much about them. Knew their ages. And unfortunately for us, which is okay, they were above the birth order of our oldest son, which is something we were concerned about. But yet we did it anyway. And so it took a few days before finally... Uh, the two boys came to live with us. And, and at this point, we're here at Gateway. You guys are a huge part of our lives. And you welcome these two boys into our family, into the Gateway family, Joey and DJ. And uh, for 18 months, we continued to strive to walk humbly, faithfully through the process. And there is no doubt that in those 18 months, we felt more sensitive to the Holy Spirit than probably we ever had at that point. We're not perfect, and we made many, many, many mistakes. And just like Moses, we made so many mistakes going through that process that we just thought, man, what are we doing? But at the end of 18 months, we've since added another child, so we get all the questions in the stairs, and like, man, what's wrong with those folks? And we're just trying to live life according to what God's called us to do. Not for any special experience or any kind of special uh, ability we have, but we're just trying to do what God's called us to do. And so for 18 months, we fostered these boys. We loved on these boys. And we saw the end coming, and part of us was 
relieved and part of us were, were heartbroken, but we knew where they were going. And, and I'll say all this now is at this point, you know, they've been with a uh, grandmother, their grandmother uh, now for several years. And this story just kind of keeps going for us, you know, and that's what I encourage you to do is that if you have one of these encounters, if you've had one of these circumstances, situations where, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you've been sensitive to the Holy Spirit and you've sensed his presence and his call, his voice, his provision, his purpose, those don't just stop all of a sudden one day if you just continue to walk. And so now, a couple years later, here we are, we still have a relationship with these two boys, and now even their, their younger sister, as Robbie and Catherine did. And so now we're just patiently waiting and praying for the day that at some point there might be a chance that we could get those boys again. And if not, we will continue to stay plugged into their lives through just ministering to them, to loving on them. And thank God, praise the Lord, that his presence was so powerful through that time, not because of us, that to this day those boys felt loved because of God not because of us. So this morning, I just share both of those things with you. Not as a, again, please, please, please hear me. This is not a, this is what I need to go do to sense his presence. Maybe you do. I don't know. But I encourage you, I challenge you this morning to seek after God's presence. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in a way that at any given moment, you might be walking through with his sheep. And God does something right then and there that transforms your life forever like he did with Moses, like he's done with us, like we're praying he continues to do over and over and over again. Be encouraged this morning to seek after God, to be in his presence, to hear his voice, to recognize his call, to see his provision and be confident in that provision and also fulfill the purpose that he has because he is I am. I want to pray with you this morning, but I just want to encourage you before I do, and as the praise team comes this morning, this altar, this stage is open this morning. If you this morning are sensing God's call as a matter of salvation for forgiveness of sins, as we witnessed our brother testifying to this morning, if this morning that call on you this morning is there present, do not deny that. Do not run away from that. Be drawn to the Holy Spirit this morning whether that's here at the steps, in your seat, wherever. Secondly, this altar is open for those of you who are just seeking prayer. I know a brother that's got something going on this week that we want to pray for him this week. Surgery coming up. If there's something going on in your life that you want to seek prayer and counsel for, this is the place you can come. Feel welcomed. But only if the Holy Spirit's drawing you, if God's placed that conviction on your heart, not me. Let's pray this morning, and then we'll just enter a time of reflection and response. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are I am. That through your power, you draw sinners such as I unto yourself through your son Jesus. Took the punishment for our sin upon himself on the cross defeated it in the grave when he rose again. Father, thank you for this time this morning and I pray that we are encouraged to walk humbly, to serve faithfully, to seek your presence, 
to seek your voice, to hear your voice, to know your call in our lives, to see the provisions that you've made for us and ultimately to fulfill the purpose that you have for our lives. Father, thank you for this time. Call us, speak to us, and change us, Father.